Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You are listening to episode number 126 of the Awesomers.com podcast series. And in today's episode, we wrap up our three-part series with Rob Jackson. Now, as you've already heard, probably in parts one and two, Rob is a brilliant uh, data you know, guy and comes from a computer science background. In part one, he talked about his origin story and some of his university experience and so forth. And, and even where he got his formative years in, in his uh, first job. And in part three, we talk a little bit more about some of those biggest lessons learned and some of the things that he's been able to collect in terms of experience along his journey, uh, both as you know working in a big agency, as a part of the agency, uh, as an employee, as well as running his own agency as a partner and as an entrepreneur. And, and, you know, Rob even talks today in part three about some of the critical differences and where some of the trust has been lost with agencies and how they kind of work with trying to, you know, build that trust and maintain that trust with clients. And, you know, the spoiler alert, the, the secret is kind of doing the right thing and delivering the goods. And they certainly understand how to do that. So I, I love uh, always hanging out and talking with Rob. And I, I know that you will enjoy this episode as well. This is part three of our three-part series with Rob Jackson. And again, it's episode 126. Just run over to awesomers.com 126 to find today's show notes and details. Okay, everybody, Steve Simonson back again, uh, talking to Rob Jackson. And we're here on the awesomers.com podcast. And so far, in our prior two segments, we covered kind of where Rob came from and, and learned all about the, the local Liverpool uh, uh, languages and nuances. Uh, and then we went further into kind of understanding, you know, Rob through his university time and then becoming uh, an agency guy and then starting and becoming a part of his own agency group, uh, crossing the globe again between Spain and the UK. Now, Rob, today I want to just kind of get into the idea of some of the defining moments that we've already talked about that maybe they they weigh into these lessons, but was there a big lesson you've learned along the journey so far? One yeah. or more, I don't know. Yeah, the, the, well, there's a, there's a few, I think. Um, um, I, I mean, really, for me, I think, you know, one of the things that makes me passionate about what I do is is having the ability to enjoy it. I think, you know, it's, it's sort of crazy to think that, you know, people forget that sometimes. If, if you enjoy what you do, then a, a lot of the rest follows on from that. But I think I think it's it's quite tricky maybe to get to that point sometimes. And, and you and I have talked about this, in, you know, in the past at, at your sessions is, you know, having that, that 
that personal why. But I think there, there was a there was a day when, um, you know, I sat down with a with a senior manager in 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 in, in my first agency, and him and I just we actually just went for a walk, had a coffee, and went for a walk and chatted about a whole bunch of things, and we we talked about really about knowing yourself. Um, I think you know. As, as you grow up in life, one of the great things about getting older is that you maybe beat yourself up less about some of the things that, um, that aren't, you know, core strengths of your own and whatnot. And I think, you know, as a, as a professional, um, having that ability to reflect and, and face up to the things I'm just not as good, as good at. I, I think when you sort of get to that point where you realize that, I'm pretty good at these things and I, and I recognize that and my, and my peers recognize that and my managers recognize that it's not necessarily bad that I'm not so great at these other things. What I, what I have to do as a professional is be aware of them and put um, mechanics in place to mitigate the, those types of things. So I, as a lot of, you know, um, former colleagues and people I've worked with will tell you I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad with diaries. I'm, I'm just, I just get my diary mixed up. And so a, a friend of mine uh, a year ago showed me how to, to leverage, leverage virtual assistants and things like that. And there's little apps like Calendly and things like that where you put, you put the, um, the organization of it back onto the person that you're, you're dealing with. And so if you, if you have that awareness and, and you don't shy away from it, then I think you can put those fixes in place that can help you work around it. And I, I think I'm always going to be bad at calendars. That, that's not going to change. I just, I'm aware of it now and I, I can try and do things to, to work around it. So. Well, I do think, you know, in terms of that, you know, big lesson, it, it is reasonable to, for us to lean into our strengths and to, to, you know, either step back from or mitigate uh, the things that we're not as good at, uh, which, you know, some people want to call weaknesses and, and our, mm. our, you know, our, our school upbringing says, oh, work on your weakness first. It's like, no, mm. no, I, I'm just telling you as a, mm. as an experienced guy, focus on your strengths, you know, manage whatever you need to in terms of uh, the, the areas that are not as strong for you. Mm. And I like the, your idea of using either virtual assistants or using, Mm-hmm. Um, technology pieces. I think Calendly, for example, really great. You know, too too yeah. often, e- even my attorneys. I, I have a fleet of attorneys for all kinds of different reasons. And when they're like, "Hey, you know, can we have a call?" It's like, "Hey, just go book it on Calendly." And yeah. Yeah. even my attorneys are like, "Wow, this is cool. There's so much less back and forth, right?" Mm-hmm. It's like I either have the time or I don't, and mm-hmm. um, you don't have to argue about it. It's clear as a bell, and and it's yeah. easy to manage. So I, I love those things. And for the listeners out there. One of the things that I just remind people, often the things that you don't like to do are the things you're not as good at. So even if you haven't gotten to the point where you know yourself or whether you're able to admit that I'm not, this, I'm not that good at this particular thing, mm-hmm. what you hate doing is probably what you're, you're uh, not as good at. Now, mm-hmm. many of us develop skills and we get good at things that we don't like, but over time, I definitely recommend leaning into the strengths, leaning into the things you like, yeah. and giving yourself permission to let some of that other stuff go. Definitely. What do you think about that? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think I'm, I'm lucky from a career perspective. I'm really lucky that I'm. One of the things I love, one of my passions is 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 new things, and so I think that has has very much enabled me to evolve my career over time. I think if we just go back to what, you know, in the beginning I was running PPC campaigns, then I was running a conversion optimization company, 
that I was running um, an analytics startup. Then that analytics startup merged, like morphed into a personalization agency. We, you know, we reinvented ourselves three times in, in that space, and and now I'm working almost entirely in, in e-commerce. And I, I think I'm I'm really lucky. I think from a career perspective that I've I've got that sort of um, inquisitiveness to to try new things and to and to, to 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 look at different skill sets and to try and continuously develop and things like that. And I know that that can be quite quite tricky for some people, but I'm I'm, I'm very lucky to have had you know that as one of the um, quivers in my bow or whatever. No doubt, it's a strength of yours. And this is one of the things that again people don't fully under, understand or appreciate the 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 folks that are that love to learn and love to embrace that new ideas and innovation and so forth. They often need an integrator sitting next to them. Mm. or at least close by to clean up some of the messes that, that those of us uh, who are, are always on that bleeding edge uh, tend to make. Uh, in fact, I think that uh, uh, our mutual friend, Jason Ashby, uh, we have a, the same kind of uh, uh, management style, if you will. Yeah. I think uh, one of my brothers was over there uh, helping you at KFD many years ago, and mm-hmm. they, they used this description to decide, uh, describe my management style. It's like uh, Steve comes in, he listens for a while, and then he throws some hand grenades, and then he leaves the room. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have to clean up the mess. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that Jason embraced that same style. I'm yeah. not saying it's right, but I'm well, saying you, you, um, You've met my colleague, Adam, long-time collaborator, really? Adam. He is, he is my yin to my yang. And I think we, we realized very early on that we have very different strengths and very, very complementary strengths. And, and him, him and I working together in, in that manner of, of recognizing what each other is really good at and being aware of each other's, you know, I don't want to say weaknesses, but the things that we're not, we're not so good at. It, it, it makes for a real complimentary team. And actually Adam, um, his, his description of it was, um, Rob, Rob invents the time machine. We have to figure out how to build it. <laughs> that's right. I love it. Yeah. That's uh, that's good stuff. Well, and Adam, again, he's a brilliant guy and, Understand that that whole you know yin and yang relationship, and understanding where everybody you know can kind of push the thing forward, and sometimes it helps to check each other and go, "Hey, you're yeah. it's out of control because you're not you know doing this or that." So, so I love that. Now, uh, Rob, let's talk about um, first of all, was there any particular time as you're building your agencies or doing your own startups that that you ever looked at it? You're like, "This is too much for me. I want to give up. I want to go do something different." At any point that you ever hit that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the the, the jump from when we, after we were acquired, um, that was a real big a real big culture change um, for me. I think probably one one of the points where I struggled the most was, um, like I said, we in in DBI in the startup mode of DBI, we were very much a almost like a family, a very close-knit unit. We spent a lot of time together. It was very, it was a, a, a very close-knit set of relationships across the business. One, once we began to scale opening up offices in New York and Frankfurt and Paris and things like that, it was very difficult to maintain that same level of, um, of, of connection, I think, with with some of the, some of the team members that that I had, and so that that jump from sort of you know thirty, forty, fifty staff to sixty to to to, to and beyond was was really was really quite tricky because also when you're in a corporate environment, you can't fully affect every 
one of the, the levers that, that, that you maybe need. And so I, I, I always felt that I was having to compromise maybe on some of the, the battles that I'd, I'd try and, try and win. Um, the nature of a, of, a, of a bigger corporation, there's more process, more rules, there's sometimes more limitations in, in, in a smaller organization. If there's something wrong, you can, you can pivot like that and change it. And so I think that, you know, even though we were, we were quite successful as a business unit, we, you know, we grew significantly within the corporate um, side of things. That change in culture, I think, was 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 one of one of the biggest challenges. But it just meant we had to evolve. You know, it just meant that we were working with with bigger clients who were working bigger ticket contracts, who were you know speaking to different types of clients on on um, on the other side of things. And then it, it meant having to bring in different profiles who could who could work in that environment as well. So. It was it was it was a, a de- an absolute learning curve, but an interesting one, definitely. Well, there's that's a uh, inevitable evolution, I suppose, when you kind of go from the, the the small to big, and mm. and these are things and lessons that have to be learned. Uh, I'm curious, from your perspective, Rob, you know, there's so many people out there in e-commerce, and they don't yet fully understand or appreciate analytics or attribution or you know the the evolution of how that's coming to be uh yeah. do you have any common mistakes that you see e-commerce uh, folks out there making that uh you care to share i mean it, it can't be understated just how tough it is out there right now it is in incredibly um competitive for 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 retailers and e-commerce op- operators right now because um not only are we are we dealing with quite a complex environment, you know, different touch points, different devices, different types of users and behaviors and attitudes. Those behaviors are changing rapidly right now before our eyes. I, I think I saw a stat. It's something like 16% of UK households now have a an Amazon or voice-enabled device in the home. And when did that happen? You know, yeah. that has happened so quickly that how how it how can e-commerce organizations think that they're going to be able to evolve in line as quickly enough for that? They have to look to their data. They have to look. They, their, their audience, their customer base, their prospect base are giving out these signals day, day after day that e-commerce organizations have to be listening right now because not only are we dealing with changing behaviors now, you've also got to be thinking about what's going to happen in the next five, 10 years, the high street is going to be completely different. And the, the, the set of devices people are going to be using that are going to be completely different. Technologies like augmented reality and, and, and so on are going to be continuing to disrupt again and again. And it's, it's, it's data. Um, I mean, there's a, I saw a good, I was at a conference last week and they put it in a, in a really smart way. Um, data now really, uh, in, in particular, you know the the emergence of machine learning and 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 so on. It really gives um, retailers and e-commerce businesses three major capabilities, and 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 these are really important. I think for for a for a modern e-commerce. Number one is to understand. So as you said, things like attribution, things like uh, conversion rates of different types of audiences, things like which products are trending, which you know which content is working. Without a, a, a robust approach to data, you, you're never going to fully understand what's working and what's not. So your, your decision-making capability is going to be severely hamstrung without that. Number two is the ability to forecast. 
And so the advancements in, um, in modeling technology and machine learning and so on now, and the tools that are available out there that are readily available, this isn't, no longer is this the preserve of the blue chip, this, no longer is this the preserve of the companies who, are, who, who have got those huge budgets. There are technologies out there now that you can spin up very quickly um, on, a, on a very moderate budget. And, and the, the barrier to entry to use those technologies is coming down all the time as well. So you can create forecasts that are way more accurate than, than what you were doing in your Excel five years ago. So you can understand, you can forecast, and then where it becomes really powerful is the ability to personalize, is the ability to change that customer journey. Because we know people have different motivations, they're at different points in the customer journey. Some people might be more considered with quality or price or the look and feel and so on. Now, if you have understood and forecast what's gonna happen, you have the power then to personalize that customer experience at, at the different points of the customer journey. And again, those, those technologies are, are real and they're live. This is, we're not even, we're not even um, talking about further down the line anymore. This, 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 is, uh, this has happened. I saw a great, um, it was a, a graph from um, the Singularity University. Do you know those guys? In, in I, know, I know the name, yeah. Think Tank, yeah. So they have this, uh, it's like a hockey stick graph of, um, it's, it's, it's linear versus disruptive evolution. And what happens is they say, um, let me try and get this right with the, the screen. <laughs> yeah. um, what appears to be a very linear evolution of a technology is often thrown out of, of kilter when it hits this point of, of um, uplift. Now, what the guy in the, in the talk used was, um, was, was mobile technology. So, you know, when I worked in the beginning, um, mid-2000s, everybody was talking about the year of mobile, the year of mobile. It's going to emerge, you know, 2005, it came and went. It was not the year of mobile, 2006, 2007. And we were all joking about it, like, oh, the year of mobile. Everybody's still using SMS at this point and playing Snake when suddenly, bang, 2008 comes along, 2009, iPhone launches, Android changes, and then the whole thing just completely flips on its head in, in, a, in a very short uh, amount of time. We're seeing the same now for artificial intelligence and machine learning. So there's been a lot of talk, there's been a lot of speculation about how it's going to happen. What I'm seeing now is there are really smart companies out there who are leveraging it and they are seeing those business impacts, they are seeing those uplifts, they are seeing those efficiencies, and quite frankly, the cost of not getting on board with that is ultimately failure. You, you, you will really struggle to survive without embracing some of these approaches that are coming through now. I definitely, uh, first of all, thank you for that uh, uh, thorough explanation. Uh, you know, you're definitely one of the guys that I respect and admire in this uh, space, and I want the Osmers out there listening to pay close attention. The, the reality is, just as, you know, I, I I'm old enough to have had one of the backpack type cell phones, right? Because mm -hmm. I thought it was cool to be able to order pizza on the way home in my car. I had no other real purpose for it. I, I did have some, <laughs> you know, appointments and I could call the customer from their driveway and they thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. But there was no real business. Um, it wasn't like I was high, some high powered Wall Street guy running around. I was just some guy, you know, contracting uh, at the time and, and running a contracting company. And honestly, to order that pizza on the way home cost me more than the pizza did to make that mm. stupid cell phone call. But I mm. felt cool, right? Yeah. And so that was, that was before the technology was even understood or known. Mm. And then you, you go into the middle where you got the flip phones that you talked about, people SMS. Yeah, people get it and they understand it, but it's not yet integrated 
as part yeah. of their lives, right? Today, people are spending hours on their mobile devices every single day. The majority of the website traffic at most of these e-commerce players is on mobile, which, you know, just so many years ago, not, not that many years ago, um, five, six, seven years, I don't know, we would just discount mobile advertising on, on Google, right? We would just say, hey, Google, you know what? I'll give you 10 cents on the dollar for what a desktop user is. Yeah. And today yeah. you might actually flip that script. What, what's yeah. your thoughts about mobile value today versus a five, six? Absolutely. Um, it's, I mean, looking, I mean, look at the, the numbers on UK flooring direct alone. It's, it's just been a steady growth year on year on year. But uh, as you point out, that the role has changed so significantly as well. People are now, put, they're researching, they're, they're considering, and they're purchasing on their mobile phones. And that's why you, you need to think mobile first when it comes to the customer experience. So mobile checkouts, you know, speeding up the, um, the, the conversion process with things like Amazon Pay and, and PayPal checkouts and things like that. But it's going to continue to go. It's going to continue to, to move forward because every year there are, there are a new set of technologies that are coming out as part of the, the Apple and Android SDKs, which further enable consumers and e-commerce people to connect in, in new ways. So looking at UK Flooring Direct, for example, um, we, we know that um, around 10% of people order the wrong size flooring for their, for their home. Because I'm, I'm, I'm no DIY man, Steve. I, I actually ordered too many packs from UK Flooring when I, when I bought them. <laughs> I just couldn't measure the room properly. I got my tape measure out, my pencil, and I did it. Now, using the iPhone SDK, I can use augmented reality to measure the room perfectly. And then when you integrate that into the e-commerce experience, it generates a quote immediately onto the website. And so not only am I, are we looking to make the, um, the e-commerce side of the business more efficient, the consumer is getting a better experience because they don't have to send back the packs so they don't have to order extra packs and you've got returns policy and things like that. So, so what's happening is that that technology will continue to disrupt the relationship between the consumer and, 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 and the vendor as time goes on. And, and I don't see it slowing down in the next few years at all. No, as a matter of fact, I think you alluded to this earlier, but it's likely to accelerate this idea that, you know, Siri is now being used in a meaningful ways and Alexa and all of these other voice assistants that, again, four or five years ago, we thought of them more or less as, a, you know, hey, tell me a joke, Siri, or this or that. Now I find myself, hey, add up these numbers or what's the weather like or, you know, uh, text this person this message. It's these things as they become integrated will have a massive uh, potential behavioral change. Although I am still waiting for them to do a Liverpudlian version of Siri. There's, there's, there's still oh, no yeah, see, yeah. I, I didn't realize that the Liverpudlians were being left out of the equation. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, uh, I can tell you this, uh, and I would love to get your feedback on this, Rob. Maybe it's uh, one of our uh, final uh, parting points. But, you know, the, this talk of machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence, et cetera, it's becoming almost like apt, right? You, you, can, you can get pieces of this technology mm -hmm. either through IBM Watson or you know, Amazon's mm -hmm. AWS, and you can, you can just plug into these apps that are, are going yeah. to be able to help people. What's a key deployment of machine learning or AI that you see coming that the e-commerce guys should try to, to use? Yeah. The first, first one they should look at. 
Sure. So I, I guess where I'm seeing it, the low-hanging fruit, I think, is around the automation of, of simple things. So, um, for example, um, you know, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're receiving calls, you know, or emails with regards to where is my delivery or what is, this, what is the, the schedule date, that can be automated now. There are so many suppliers out there who've, who've, already, who've already cracked and solved that. So I think it's um, it's really about um, you know from an e-commerce perspective is looking for it looking for where where in your in, in your chain is the is there an inefficiency with things that are, are, are repeatable and 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 are causing inefficiency because you're doing the same thing over and over again. But I think it's going beyond that, mate. As well, you know, I, I went to the Google Cloud uh, conference last week, and for a couple of years, Google have been saying. Um, Google is an AI company, and and I sort of maybe uh, looked at that a little bit cynically because I just they're an advertising company. It's an internet advertising company, but they they have actually kept true to that word, and obviously they're, they're trying to compete with you know with IBM and Oracle and, and Amazon primarily. You know, Amazon obviously led the space in in, in the cloud computing world, and, and Google have, have have really come at it with with AI leading the way. And what's happened is, in typical Google fashion, they've created a set of tools, a set of use cases, a set of templates, a set of plugins, where the, that technical barriers come right down, where, where before you needed you know, some heavy lifting from a data engineer or a, or a computer scientist. And if you're starting out, the barrier is really creativity. So it's, it's less about having those, those technical skills. It's about, it's about getting some smart people in a room and coming up with some ideas from a, from a business and a creative perspective, and that that's you know the guys who are having good ideas ten years ago are going to be the guys having good ideas ten years. It, the technology is is less and less of a barrier. Uh, just one I saw a, a really good example of, of what they did was um, a project with uh, London Zoo, London Zoo ZSL. So London Zoo have uh, the world's largest database of camera traps all over the world. So monkeys, lions, you know, different types of um, all like all sort of sea creatures, everything. And what they've done is they've made that open source with a, with a layer of the Google machine learning algorithm to increase the accuracy of everybody's camera traps all over the world. And so it's actually having a really positive increase on nature conservation, the power of machine learning. And, and I just thought it, it's so cool to see it being used for something like that that's not just website conversions and whatnot. And, you know, to be fair to Google, they make this, this kind of stuff available to, to organizations to leverage and they make it, they make it quite easy. So um, I think, yeah, for me, um, creativity is, is, is the key at the moment to, to imagine what can be done. I love it. Well, it's an exciting time to be involved in the technology space. You know, for all of us today who are thinking about machine learning or AI, and it may seem overwhelming, it's getting easier. It's, you heard it from Rob directly that it will be easier. Uh, Rob, thanks for taking the time today. It's been a real pleasure having you on uh, Osmers. Steve, the pleasure was all mine, mate. I've really enjoyed it. I can't believe it went so quick. I was, well, I was thinking, goes what fast, are we going to talk yeah. about for an hour? <laughs> it goes fast. Well, again, thank you, uh, Rob. And for the Osmers out there listening, we'll be right back after this. Empower. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. 
You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double-entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item-by-item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. Well, you heard it from Rob directly. Time really does fly when you're having fun. You know, so often these entrepreneurs, when I say, hey, let's do an interview for awesomers.com, they say, okay, great. I'd love to be on there. It's exciting. And maybe it's their first time. You know, I like to find people from everyday walks of life, people who are brilliant, people who are definitely awesomer, but maybe not people that you've heard of. And, you know, the Gary V's of the world are exciting and fun, but, you know, they have a big enough microphone. Uh, they don't need the help. And so I like to, to bring brilliant resources that maybe you haven't heard about. And Rob Jackson is a great example. Somebody who's really learned and really uh, has deep understanding his field of expertise. And he loves what he does. And he's really good at it. And that's an off- awesomer in every possible definition of the word. And so I, I really enjoyed catching up with him. And you heard, again, you know, Rob say, gosh, the time flew so fast. And so many of the guests that we have on the show, they say the same thing that... You know, as we were going through the, the conversation, that it just flowed so fast that they had no idea that the time had expired. So it's really fun for me. I hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as I did. Uh, you know, Rob dropped some massive uh, gold nuggets here in this episode and, and in the preceding ones as well. So make sure you take those to heart. Again, our final part three of this three-part series, and this is Awesomers episode number 126. So go to awesomers.com slash 126 for any show notes and details. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com.